What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. We are so happy you're here. On today's show, we have the tenacious Lindsay Gibbs, a reporter at Think Progress, the excellent Shereen Ahmed, a writer, public speaker, and sports activist in Toronto, and me, I'm Jessica Luther, freelance journalist and author in Austin, Texas. As always, thank you to our patrons whose support of this podcast through our ongoing Patreon campaign make Burn It All Down possible. We are forever and always grateful. If you would like to become a patron, it's easy. Go to patreon.com slash burn it all down. You can pledge as little as a dollar a month, but if you donate just a little bit more, you can access exclusives like an extra Patreon only segment or monthly newsletters this month and into July. We're going to be doing hot takes on the World Cup that will be for patrons only. So sign up today so you don't miss out. On today's show, we are going to talk World Cup and then the WNBA season so far. Shereen interviews Azare Stevens, a forward in the NBA. She's a rookie from UConn who left a year early and was drafted sixth by the Dallas Wings. And of course, we're going to cap it off by burning things that deserve to be burned, doing shout outs to women who deserve shout outs and telling you what is good in our world. So first, though... NBA trade rumors are all over the place right now, and this week news broke that Kawhi Leonard wants to leave the San Antonio Spurs. I know that there are feelings about this (laughs) in this group, so how are you all doing with this news? Yeah, I'm the unadulterated Spurs fan. The thing is, is that I think that what I've read, because I've been consumed with World Cup, has just been about him being dissatisfied with the way his injury was handled by the team. And I can't imagine the Spurs doing anything wrong because of Becky Hammond and <laughs> Pop, but that's not reality. I mean, his lived experience is more important. I mean, I think it cuts because, you know, it's been reported that he wants to go to the Lakers. So that's just sort of like, oh, because in my love for them, the Lakers have and Robert Horry specifically have killed Spurs championship dreams a couple a few too many times so it's hard for me because I think that he's well-suited personality-wise and the gifs of Tim Duncan and him high-fiving are just too much for me to handle and for anyone interested Tim Duncan has still not responded to my monthly emails yeah I agree if this is you know I saw Tim Duncan play in college at Wake Forest you know that was like 20 minutes away from where I where I grew up so that's how I became a Spurs fan is through Tim Duncan. And while I'm not a diehard fan of the team, I just have an affinity for like most people. I think that for me, what this Kawhi Leonard situation has really brought out is just the pressure that these athletes are under and the amount of people within their inner circle who are uh, giving them advice and pulling them in different directions. There's been a lot of reporting about simple within Kawhi's group who he relies on for a lot of support because of they've been there with him through a lot of really tough times in his life and, you know, have kind of been the constant, but a lot of people within the NBA are sec are, wondering whether or not these people are giving him the right advice and actually steering him in the right direction. And I just, I can't imagine what it's like to be an athlete and to be under the microscope like this and to have so much money, not only on the line for you, but for everyone around you. And to know that every single person who's talking to you has an agenda, you know, and, and that's just gotta be so hard. So it's, I am all for athlete empowerment. I'm all for athletes signing one year contracts that that's what it takes so they can figure out the best situation for them every year. I think this is, I'm not one of those people who, you know, hates LeBron James for what he's done to the NBA in this regard. I think it's great. Athletes need more power. But at the same time, it just, it seems inconceivable in our world that this isn't something that pop can fix. (laughs) Like, how can pop not fix it? 
Isn't he trying? Wasn't wasn't didn't photos come out a couple days ago of the two of them in New York City or something? Like Pop is They've been talking about meeting, but then I believe it was Friday when there was a very coordinated ESPN sources are saying <laughs> drop by reporters all across the industry at pretty much the exact same time that Leonard did want out. Now, he's still under contract for another year with the Spurs. So in theory, oh, they can keep him. And they also have the ability to offer him much more money than anybody else can because the team that has your rights has the ability to give you more money under these super max deals. That's just kind of how you know, the NBA contract structure works. And also, uh, rumor has it, Texas is a good place for not paying taxes. So, <laughs> 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 Rumor has it, NBA players might factor that in from time to time. And I don't, bl- you know, look, if it's legal, it's legal. So I think that it's going to be really interesting. The, the Spurs do still have some cards, but you know what? They did kind of throw him under the bus. <laughs> so they they repeatedly said during the year that that they had cleared Kawhi to play, but that Kawhi and his team didn't think he was ready to play. And that was the story that the Spurs decided to go public with, and it might not have been a good move. I think, too, that um, Leonard is a very quiet person. Like, he's not out there on social media all the time, and I'm just wondering – had he been more outspoken through the process, which he wasn't, which speaks to his dignity and his choice of privacy, what the story is, because I think he's also very, he's very expressive facially. And you can see when he's upset, which to a lot of people looks like his natural expression. But I think that it's very interesting and very telling that he didn't speak out publicly about it. And hopefully, hopefully Pop can fix this. I think Pop can fix the world, but that's just me and I'm super biased. Yeah. And we want to be careful not to let our pop love. And also, I mean, another wrinkle in this is that Popovich, they're also rumors saying that he's going to leave in 2020. So Kawhi, I can understand why you wouldn't want to sign, even if you do love pop, why you wouldn't want to sign a huge contract extension that will keep you in San Antonio past when Popovich is going to be there. So, you know, there's a lot of factors here, but... My morning phase, this is my, um, you know, what, stage two of the grief. Um, So I think we probably have more things to talk about, but I could talk about this for a while. Thank you both for that. I want to give a quick happy Father's Day shout out to all of our flamethrowers who celebrated this weekend. And now on to the show. So we are recording on Sunday morning while Costa Rica and Serbia in Group E are facing off in their first group match. That means we are only a few days in, but Shireen, let's talk World Cup. Where do you want to get us? How do, how do you want to get us started? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate us for recording during the match. And I am not live streaming <laughs> secretly on my phone when nothing Serbia. I'm just saying. There's so much. Like, this is World Cup. Like, it's the first match days for the early stages. We've seen some brilliance. We've also seen some incredibly vacuous commentary from media, which, you know, we will talk about. Big games, you know, have already happened. First match. Russia thrush, Saudi Arabia, first match of the entire tournament. The hosts really, you know, didn't disappoint in their performance and then their goal scoring, which will might help them later in that group. Egypt did not win against Uruguay on Eid, and it was a sad Mohamed Salah didn't play at all, which I know a lot of people might disagree with me, I think was actually a very smart decision. If he's injured and not ready to play, there's no point in risking injury. It was also his birthday on the 15th of June. So it was doubly sad because it was he, that was his birthday. And, you know, who wants to sit on the bench? And these gifs of sad Muhammad Salah are a lot oh. to him. Yeah, it's so sad because he's so smiley most of the time. So much joy for our Persian friends. Uh, Iran beat Morocco in which was actually an absolutely devastating, crushing own goal in the 95th minute. And... I have some friends uh, from North Africa that are just devastated on Morocco's behalf because, you know, the, the play was Bouhadouz, Aziz Bouhadouz actually is a defender and it was on a set piece and he actually put the ball straight into the net and he cried coming off the pitch. Like these kinds of things are are devastating. And Jess, I think you had a tweet in that moment where, which was like, 
oh my God, this game. I think you said something like that, which was it's so brutal. It I think was, I said the sport is so brutal. Yeah, that's what you said. And I remember being like, yeah, mm-hmm. and I will just uh, very quickly add something that my friend Laurent Dubois and I, we were on uh, CBC The Current last week for an interview before this all started and how he said that soccer is actually one of the has been devised as a form of mass torture for humans because of because of the nature of the beautiful game i think there's something to be said about fox i've been seeing a lot on twitter i don't watch fox soccer if i can help it i'll watch it in like arabic or malayalam neither of the languages that i speak just so i don't have to endure fox soccer i can't handle the commentary and something so much as during those early matches because uh what ended up happening it was something like when morocco played iran i think the forks uh, fox sorry sports commentator said something like oh well this is just warm up for the real thing that we're interested in which is which was he was oh, referring no. yeah he was referring to the portugal spain match which was absolutely thrilling but it's like so it's so ridiculous because the whole point of the World Cup is also to expose yourself to players and teams that you might not be familiar with and most yeah. and I think this is this is a gift. I think the World Cup in a way is a gift because when else do you get to see Team Iran play? And just on that note, in a piece that I'm working on and a lot of news has come out about Iranian women fans in the stands cheering on their team, which was so glorious because they don't have that right in Iran. So, I mean, there's so many things that you could say so positive about about these matches, but no, let's just... And, and to credit, you know, the Portugal-Spain match also held on Eid, which I was celebrating and just kind of going from family and friends home, whoever had a TV, which was absolutely breathtakingly brilliant. I mean, I have issues with De Gea and uh, Ronaldo, which we all know, and I'm just not there for that, but the game itself. And you have to separate yourself from your disdain for like, quote unquote, alleged uh, rapists at that time. And I specifically when Ronaldo was gearing up for a pen against De Gea, and I just wanted to toss my cookies. Then we had the drama of VAR, first time it's been used, and it was used against Australia. The Socceroos had a pen, a Griezmann's pen, Antoine Griezmann's pen called against them. And, uh, you know, there's so much hullabaloo about it. And I'm the opinion of VAR, which is the digital technology that I'm for it. If it supports the team I root for in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest about that. Then we had Argentina yesterday, which was (laughs) so interesting because it's Iceland versus Argentina. So you have, and everyone's, you know, wanting, you know, to see brilliance from Messi constantly who absolutely flundered on his pen, his penalty kick. But let's keep in mind, Messi's stats on pens are not great. There's 68% success rate. So I'm a firm believer that that's interesting. Yeah. That he will come through and score the old fashioned way by going through 10 people and dancing around them, (laughs) which is, it's still so heartbreaking like you just know the pressure you know all the pressure that's on him and the like long history that he's had representing his country and all the disappointments around it and also knowing that he's one of the best who's ever played this game and then to walk to watch that moment you're just oh those are the things where i can't imagine mentally like i would not have the mental fortitude to manage that kind of emotional roller coaster and to and he just went right back to playing and I just find that to be remarkable because <laughs> I would be crying on the ground. He carried this team to the World Cup on his back, like for qualifications. He literally scored multiple goals within minutes to be able to advance them. And I think that I've seen this opinion and I can't remember who tweeted it out, but how I think it was Murtu Marangi who said that we expect brilliance of him all the time. He's got to be a highlight all the time. And that's not how the world works. And the skill required for a pen is very different. Yes, it's all part of the game, but the mental fortitude required to stand there. Also, the goalkeeping from the Icelandic goalie, who is a full-time filmmaker, is was phenomenal. And congrats to him. Like he should get some type of specialized Viking clap. Like, if, in my opinion, as I watched the game, he literally kept Iceland in the match. He kept them alive. And this is really interesting because at this level of play, we see the brilliance of goalkeepers who otherwise we don't hear much about. And Denmark beat Peru in a match that was so also heartbreaking. Peruvians just couldn't finish. They had 
they hit the crossbar. They were shooting wide in the box, which is like far too high and wide. And it was just, they kept trying and kept trying. And Peru is a team that I am just hoping for the best for. I really want them to do well. Denmark, you know how I feel. The only thing I love about Denmark is not the end of the team, but it's hard to watch. Like you, I literally wanted to like, just wrap my arms around the TV and beg and sob them to finish and tie it up. So Denmark won one nothing. Um, then we went on to Croatia, who beat Nigeria, most beautiful kits in the history of the World Cup. Nigeria has, but they, you know, it was just a, they would look disorganized on the pitch. And Croatia, two nothing, who boast. Um, Two players from Barcelona and Real Madrid, Modric being a goal scorer as well. And Ivanovic, like Ivan, sorry, Rakitic, who they're beautiful players and they, they play really well together. And right now we're into Serbia, Costa Rica. So there's the, the overview. I just wanted to say, getting uh, just getting quickly back to Argentina, the TV spans spanning the stadium, pointing to Maradona, who we saw rubbing his nose and sniffling many times. And there was jokes about that. But just quickly to add that in this whole process, Jackie Oatley, who is a commentator for BBC, was in a press box and actually saw a couple of Korean fans cheering and shouting Maradona because he's like, you know, famous. And so he like waved at them, then turned his face and did a completely racist eye gesture towards oh. them so isn't he terrible though doesn't he, he have a history of terrible behavior all around we're talking domestic yeah. violence okay. abuse yeah. outward racism but like dude you're on camera and everyone is recording you and that just goes to show you feel you're untouchable and you're not so that's yeah, disgusting absolutely thank you shereen um lindsay i wanted to ask you and shereen you too i was wondering who you guys are rooting for actively in this world cup like i'm every time i watch any match my son always wants to know who i am cheering for like that's integral for him for sports so i'm always having to decide and so i'm just wondering like who are you going for at this point since our teams are not in there obviously yeah, I've just decided to, you know, embrace Team Mexico for, I think, obvious reasons, <laughs> you know, in the spirit in the spirit yeah. of the United bid, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. You know, I just uh, I like uh, I like the team and especially during the group stages. And I've decided, you know, I will recalibrate once we get to the knockout rounds and and see what I want. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to do it. I like the idea of yes. recalibration. Yeah, we should talk about the United bid. Because that was the other huge World Cup news this week, which is that the U.S., Canada, and Mexico will host in, what, 2026? Do I have that right? You know, selfishly, I want there to be a game in Texas so I can go. So I was excited about that. But, like, how are you guys feeling? I mean, we have such conflicted feelings about these mega events and now they're going to take place literally where we all live so Lindsay, what did you think when you when you heard that they had well won? my first response was i was frustrated because i know that trump did have an influence on this so the new york times reported this week that trump wrote three letters to infantino uh fifa president and you know said that for the world cup that there wouldn't be any travel bans or anything that you know that they would open up their doors for the world cup now there's a lot of things that are wrong about this first of all you can't take anything trump says as gospel <laughs> like it just doesn't matter second of all he's not going to be president in 2026 so i mean barring an actual turn to dictatorship you know an authority authoritarianism, even a second term would be over by then. So but I just, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how this can be an opportunity for us to kind of put a good foot forward to the world, you know, show how welcoming we are. And that's I love that sentiment in theory. But I, I felt like there was a little bit of a like, we didn't deserve this reward right now, because of the way that our leaders have been handling themselves. On the other hand, it's not just the United States. Canada and Mexico are involved too. It did make more sense logistically than the Morocco bid, which was the one competing against the United States. There's, you know, more infrastructure here and remind you that the World Cup's going to be expanded by then. There will be 48 teams. So it's going to be a lot more logistics than even that it is currently. So I could understand why this United bid one, I am, of course, it will be nice to have the men's soccer tournament here. 
and in in Mexico and Canada. But of course, just the way our international relations are going and the way our country is handling itself, I don't want there to be any sort of, you know, reward for that. And this kind of feels like that. I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah, that's a good point. Shireen, you had one of my favorite Twitter threads of the week around the uh, announcement. So it was like you had a lot of emotions, a lot of different reactions all at once. So how are you feeling now with a, with a couple days, you know, distance from the initial announcement? Well, I, it just kind of proved that I best express myself not through speaking or writing, but through GIFs. You know, we can file that under the football or yeah, soccer okay. right. uh, okay. vernacular, oh. but, <laughs> but uh, a couple of things to what Lindsay said about, you know, Morocco not having infrastructure, a place not having infrastructure has actually never been an issue for holding mm. a World Cup because then enter indentured right. servitude. But it should be, and, it like, should be in the building right. things oh, you right. want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to add on to what is currently there, I think that I we've had a change in provincial government in Ontario and Doug Ford, oh God, is the new premier. And he tweeted out that it's a World Cup has never been held on uh, Canadian soil. To which you know, I was like, <laughs> it just uh, was. It, it just, just was. the Women's World Cup. Doug was actually held in Canada, and you know, then I had all the men's coming after me saying, well, he meant wow, men's World Cup, and they all getting their you know, you know, there's selves in a knot about it but the reality is is that part of me is so excited because that fever coming here there'll be 60 games in can and uh, sorry in the united states 10 in mexico and 10 in canada so i think that's also really interesting to look at my fear is always american exceptionalism in soccer and the sense of you know well we're the best we're the best at everything and it, it, i'm just sensitive to that obviously because I'm not American, I like to think that if I was American, I'd be absolutely insufferable <laughs> as an American. But, which I, I'm being honest God, I love here. You. Yeah, yeah, you we're not you. arguing. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that we look at it holistically and look at, and I mean, for me, it's also an opportunity. I'm going to look positively because, as Lindsay has, you know, labeled me, and I love this. I want it on my business cards. Shireen, half glass full, Ahmed. The thing is, is that it looks at an opportunity to change the shape of what or even better the shape of what soccer culture looks like in America and take out the, you know, racism or the sexism of it, take out that piece. And there's an opportunity. First of all, my immediate thought is, thank God, women can go watch. It's LGBTIQ friendly. These are the immediate thoughts I have that, you know, this is good. People don't have to worry about their safety, hopefully. I think there should always be observers, like fair net observers, in, in every match to just keep an eye on things and make sure things are well. It's not going to say it's devoid of any type of racism because we know that's not true. But the reality is, is that it's a way to embrace it in a different space. And yes, the United States hosting a World Cup, it's hosted Women's World Cups before, is a positive thing. Then there's always the commercialization of it. What will it look like? Will it look like displacement for people? Because it's something else we worry about. And I mean... In reality, the the idea of having it and here does excite me, I'm not going to lie. So shots of maple syrup all around. But also, you know, I can't help but look at something critically and say, okay, these are the issues with it. But as long as we keep having these discussions and we keep coming to the forefront and hopefully this will also will be an opportunity for people within the margins of sports media to have opportunity to be employed. This is something else I think of. Yeah, that's awesome. I just want to wrap this up by saying that watching the World Cup over the last few days has made me want to like, I want to start pinching all my pennies so that I can go to France <laughs> next year. I was like, how do I get there? <laughs> the World Cup yeah. and the French Open are going on at the same time. We have to go. <gasps> oh, wow. oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lindsay, you just sold me. I'm in like, I there's going to be now. matches in Paris. So oh, like, you could do a World Cup match. <laughs> And then go to a tennis match. I feel like I can't even continue recording this <laughs> podcast episode now. Like I need to go like start a Can spreadsheet. Can we get our flamethrowers to like <laughs> like come up with a fund and we'll bring some flamethrowers with us? Like look, look, we've got to be able to figure something out here. <laughs> 
I mean, Where, yeah. that would be literally burn it all down heaven is to be, you know, at the Women's World Cup next year in France, which is going to be phenomenal. And I already have plans to be there. I don't know how yet, but it's going to happen. And I have sofas that have already been offered for us, you know, to crash on. So there's that. Also, just to get back to who we're rooting for, I love Lindsay's word of recalibration because my heart is, you know, with Egypt. My heart is also with Team Iran. It's always been and not only because they're absolutely magnificent specimens. Oh my gosh, mashallah. Like, oh my gosh. But then my international superstar team is France. I love Paul Pogba so much. And he just came out and actually said that he feels he's the most criticized player in the world. He went from being the most expensive transfer to being the most criticized. And he says this publicly. And I think there's something about that. I would love to see them hoist it, like aller les bleus. But I will recalibrate according to what needs to be recalibrated. <laughs> it is Pride Month. And so I feel like it's worth noting that, look, there already has been an issue of really devastating anti-LGBTQ violence in Russia, which is something that, of course, everyone was worried about. So there was an attack in St. Petersburg on a French couple. So we just want to send our love to them. One of them was sent to the hospital with possible brain injuries. So we just want to send our love to them and hope that there's continued safety for all the spectators in Russia. The WNBA season is a month in now, and a lot has happened. Lindsay, uh, where do you want to start today? It's been an exciting season so far. If you came into the season not believing that the WNBA had room for expansion, that this talent could go to a couple more teams, then you've either not been paying attention or you've changed your mind. <laughs> like Those are the only two options. Just looking at the top of this, we've got the four teams that are off to the most impressive start. I'm not going to say records because games keep happening and records keep changing. Um, but the Los Angeles Sparks, the Phoenix Mercury, the Seattle Storm, and the Connecticut Sun are right now the four teams at the top of the league. And I could see of those two making it all the way and playing in the champ the finals. You've also got three teams who are kind of in the middle ground right now trying to find their footing, the Dallas Wings, the Washington Mystics, and the Atlanta Dream. All three of those teams have huge upsides, but can be pretty incon- inconsistent on a night-in, night-out basis. Indiana Fever at the bottom of the WNBA right now, though they did get their first victory of the season on Saturday behind 21 points from Victoria Vivians and 19 points from Kelsey Mitchell, the two rookies combining for 40 points. So we want to give a shout out to them. They've been so close in so many games this year, and it was great to see them just dominate the Atlanta dream. The parody in this league is, like we said, just ridiculous. On any given night, any of these teams can take it. The story of the season, there have been two stories this season for me. It's been the rookies. The rookies have been phenomenal. Asia Wilson is already averaging over 20 points per game for the Las Vegas Aces, excuse me. I mean, on the Washington Mystics, who didn't have one of the top draft picks of the year. They had the seventh pick and they got Ariel Atkins, who is averaging over 10 points a game is I think she had four steals the other night against the Sparks. She's just phenomenal watching her up close. And even the Mystics' second-round draft pick, Maisha Hines-Allen from Louisville, has been having a huge impact on these games. I saw her go toe-to-toe with Sylvia Fowles. It's been remarkable to watch. I mean, every there are rookies contributing hugely on every single team. You'll hear from one of those rookies on the wings in a little bit on Azare, but you've also got Kia Nurse, her Connecticut teammate, who is pretty much the second option right now for the New York Liberty. It's remarkable to watch and it's just so exciting. This league is just going to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Now there is, this is where I want to start though. There's one team that we have not mentioned yet, And that is the Minnesota Lynx. (laughs) The Minnesota Lynx currently have a losing record. They had a four-game losing streak already this season. They have, let's be honest, not looked that great. (laughs) Yeah, I think the Lynx, you know, it appears that they're suffering from, like, their bench. So they, you know, they have, you know, sort of famously the older starters, right? The, The five that starter older, but they don't seem to have, I mean, it's so important that WNBA, that you have a backup crew that can come in and, you know, at least sustain while your starters are down and they just don't seem to have that. And it's really wild to watch. Like, you know, it's kind of like death and taxes. 
the links in the WNBA. They have one of the best coaches, obviously, um, and they are definitely struggling. I'm not sure if they can do it this season. It's really wild to think that they won't be. They'll probably make the playoffs, I guess, based on how all this goes. But I don't think we're going to get a repeat in the finals unless something really turns around. I uh, just actually wanted to mention, just jumping off of what Lynn said, one of my obsessions with WNBA has totally been heightened by the UConn holy trinity of Azure, Kia, and Gabby. I love Gabby so much. Mad respect to her. And she also, I listed off my favorite athletes just a couple of weeks ago on this Twitter game that was going around of list your favorite WNBA players, NBA players, blah, blah, blah. And my WNBA picks were the three UConn, you know, all in the class of 2018. She's just incredible and like she has a pass that's actually being talked about just days ago a bounce pass and gabby williams for those that don't know is a rookie with the chicago sky and her bounce pass it was said to be nominated for like pass or assist of the year because of the the nature of it and the difficulty and the level at which she plays she's been also been said that she could be and role model for one of the most complete pl- players in basketball, like all around. She's phenomenal. And I love her. And she tweets at me, which I really appreciate. We had this beautiful <laughs> exchange on Soraya Bonnelly, who was on my list. And she said, I don't know if I'm more excited that you listed me as one of your favorite WNBA players or that you listed Soraya Bonnelly, who is a, a former French skater, figure skater. So that was really fun. I have to add that in because I just, I love her so much. I think she's super cool. Jess, I actually want to ask you a question because I know you, your Texas team, the Wings, they have the most impressive duo in the league right now, I think, with uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith and Liz Cambage, the Australian who is back in the league this year. Diggins-Smith is right now leading the league in points. I know you spent some time with her and wrote about her before the season started. What are your thoughts on on her and the chemistry she's established with Liz? Yeah, it's been so exciting to see. I know when we did our WNBA preseason uh, discussion, I was saying that I was really interested to see where the wings would go this year, in part because I had hung out with Skylar and I was so impressed by her. She's so intense. And I'm sure a lot of these players are when you compete at this level. But that was really my takeaway. Like she was incredibly kind, very smart, all those sort of things. But the number one thing was she was just so focused and intense all the time about everything. And so, yeah, when they brought Cambage in, you know, I didn't know a ton about Cambage. Um, she is something, man. And she's it is so just, <laughs> she's so good. And it has been really fun to watch this team gel. They're very young overall. And so it was always sort of a question of, you know, how these young players would come together. But, you know, Skylar has done a really great job leading this team. They're doing better even than I thought they were going to be doing. One of the hardest things about I was traveling over the last couple of weeks and like the hardest thing was that I couldn't really follow along because of how the time difference, all the games are in the middle of the night when you're in Europe. But yeah, it's been it's been very exciting and their attendance has gone up dramatically over last season. So all those things are great. And yeah, it's also just fun that the one Texas team is is doing that well right now and, you know, could really make a run. Like if, if they if keep going like this, I feel like it could just get better and better. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much athleticism and speed in the league right now, which is what's really getting me. And I think that's where, honestly, the Lynx are struggling the most. I mean, let's face it. Age catches up to everyone eventually, even literally the best in the game. And watching them up close, it just does seem like they are a step slow. They don't have as good of a bench anymore. Um, You know, losing Renee Montgomery, who was their go-to sixth woman, and she's now on the the dream and and doing good things for them i think that's ended up really hurting them and look cheryl reeves is a legend and second guessing her in any way seems strange but look her go-to has been to just rely so heavily on that starting five which you understand why she does but i think it comes at it's come at the detriment of developing other players within the system and that's catching up to them this year and i I have no idea what's going to happen they could not lose a game for the rest of the season because they're just you know if you bet against maya moore and rebecca brunson and uh you know sylvia fowles it's probably fool's errand but 
I right now don't see them getting that crucial buy to the semifinals, the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be able to qualify for that. And without that, anything could happen with the way the WNBA playoffs are scheduled. So I don't even know if I see them getting to the semifinals right now. Absolutely. And I just want to circle back to your point, Lindsay, about how amazing the season has been so far. We're just a month in and there's just so much talent. And when you really think about all the talent that it doesn't even get to see the court because of how limited with just the 12 teams. And we absolutely need to expand this league. Like we just need so much more of this. They would, they're so phenomenal and it has been really fun this year so far. Lindsay, I know that you want to finish off with a related thing that happened this week with the WNBA. Yeah, look, all of us here at Burn It All Down, we're just devastated to hear about the passing of the basketball legend, Ann Donovan. Uh, she was a six foot eight player and coach. She was a giant on the court and off of it. She was integral to the women's basketball getting to where it is today. And you know, kind of the original post giant of women's basketball. And so, you know, when you look at players like Brittany Griner and Liz Kimbage that we were just talking about, and even the, you know, the development of those, that position and the way that Candace Parker and Deladon have, have taken over that position, it's all started with Ann Donovan. Uh, she won two Olympic gold medals as a player in 1984 and 1988. And she was also the coach of the gold medal winning Olympic uh, 1998 team. She's in all of the Hall of Fames, literally. And she she won a WNBA championship with the Seattle Storm in 2004. She was the first female coach to win a championship in the league. So we love that. And she coached at many other WNBA places, including the Indiana Fever, the Charlotte Sting, rest in peace, Charlotte Sting, the Seattle Storm, as we mentioned, the New York Liberty, and up until 2013, or excuse me, 2015, actually, the Connecticut Sun. So a lot of the pieces to this great Connecticut Sun team that we're now seeing were started by Ann Donovan. And I just want to kind of listen, uh, finish by, I loved the quote that Lisa Leslie had, because I think it shows how important, you know, representation is and also just how important these women basketball legends are to producing the next generation. So this is Lisa Leslie saying this on ESPN. She said, I saw Ann when I was in 10th grade. She came to my high school. I would wake up every morning to watch the Olympic team and Anne stood six foot eight. She was the center. And I said, I can do this. I want to be like her. I actually thought I could take her place because Anne was just amazing. So we're all, uh, we're thinking about all of Anne's family and friends throughout the women's basketball community. And we want to thank her and all the trailblazing legends for everything they've done to get women's sports to where we are right now. Up next, Shereen's interview with Dallas Wings forward Azrae Stevens. I am so excited to have Azrae Stevens on Burn It All Down with us today. Azrae, it was the sixth overall pick in the 2018 WNBA draft. She played in all 37 games with eight start at University of Connecticut, Go Huskies, named a 2018 American Athletic Conference newcomer and sixth player of the year. In addition to those incredible achievements, she also in high school, and I want to add this in because it's personal, was MVP of her high school team as freshman and sophomore and was also given academic awards for her achievements. Thank you so much for being on Burn It All Down. Azrae, I know you just had practice and you must be exhausted. Yeah, just a little bit, but I'm excited and grateful for this opportunity to just chat with you for a little. Thanks. So what was it like being a part of that amazing draft class? I mean, you were ranked sixth overall, and was it even more special because you had two other UConn teammates with you, Gabby Williams and Kia Nurse? Yeah, it was really special. The draft class was amazing. All the girls so talented and and great people off the court as well. And so it was really cool um, just to be able to experience that with all of them. And, you know, we're kind of a class that's coming in and making a lot of noise. And so we've kept in contact a little bit now since the season has started. But it was really special just to be able to go to New York together and experience that. And um, it was great to have Gabby and Kia there as well. Gabby was actually my roommate, so that was really cool for us to just be able to experience that together, all three of us, and to really just see each other's dreams come true um, and be there at the same time while it was happening. 
Yeah. What was the transition like from the NCAA to the WNBA? I mean, you make it seem seamless. You had 19 points in your preseason game. You're just sinking those threes. I was watching the video. Like, what was that like? It's a lot of nerves. I think in the beginning, I was a lot more nervous. I think I've focused a lot more on just playing basketball and just bringing what I can to the team. But, you know, it's kind of just jitters, you know, you're coming into a league with the best players in, in the country and, you know, playing alongside people like Diana Tarazi or Brittany Griner, like these names that we've seen growing up and now we're in the same league as them holding our own. And so for me, it was just a lot of nerves at first and just really having that confidence in myself that like I made it here and, you know, I can play in this league I was selected for a reason and so I think that my team here has done a really great job of just helping me to just focus on you know like Z like you can play here and just like we need you to just like step in and step up and and different things like that and so they've done a good job of just planting that seed of belief in, in me and so now it's just really a matter of me you know being confident in myself and and we're having fun you know it's been a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride we've lost some games that we shouldn't have but we're learning a lot and um, we have a really great group so I'm I'm really happy to be here yeah definitely you mentioned Dana Tarasi and Brittany Griner have you ever been starstruck on the road or playing other teams and just like oh my gosh that's this player as you mentioned I think when we went to Minnesota a little bit in the beginning, um, just because of the dynasty that they have there, it was kind of like, whoa, like <laughs> playing in Sylvia Fowles or playing against, you know, Maya Moore. But after halftime, like when we saw that we could hang in there with them, it was kind of like I put that to the side and I was like, well, I mean, if I have a lane on any of these players, then I'm going to take that or like just playing like we're going to challenge them. And so I think that's kind of really like died down because, I mean, we want to win games. And so you're not really thinking about that once you step across that that. Um, line to get on the court and no more of that since that game like no more starstruck I'm trying to be we're trying to be everybody we, we step up against <laughs> yeah absolutely well said what are you looking forward to the most in the WNBA is there anything that you find whether it's the fans or the access because you had a whole bunch of fans at UConn but and you were selling out stadiums but is there anything specific I think I'm just looking forward to like learning a lot. I think I've already learned so much just in a little bit of time that I've been here and you come across so many people um, you're on team with a lot of different people. And I mean, it's a great league to be a part of just what it stands for and the growth. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to being a part of the growth of this league. And I think even just our rookie class coming in, what we've been able to do and just the noise we've been able to make has been good for helping the league progress in the right direction. And so I'm just looking forward to that, helping this league grow in any way that I can and really making that impact for little girls that are watching all around. Yeah, that was my next question. Like the best interview, because you're giving me these segues so easily. Thank you so much. So my next question was exactly on that. Like, what would be your advice to young girls who do want to play professional basketball? Is there like one message or one quote you have that you stuck to, you know, someone you looked up to or something like that? Like, what could you share with them? I think just hard work. Like there's nothing to replace that or beat that or get around that. You just have to work hard. And you have to make certain sacrifices. You know, I know for me growing up, sometimes in the summers, like after a certain point in my life, I wasn't, you know, taking family vacations. I wasn't doing things that all my other friends were doing. I was in the gym and I was playing and I was trying to get better. And so it's just like, it all does pay off and it's really what you want to do. And so now, you know, it was hard sometimes, you know, I see my friends, they're traveling, they're doing things that they want to do. And I'm you know, going back home so I can work out and, you know, get ready for a league of, of, you know, summer playing in the summer. And thankfully I had great teams that made it fun and we were able to travel, but it all does pay off. And, you know, now that I'm here, I'm kind of just like all of those years of different things I had to sacrifice, all of those different times, my dad and me in the front yard for hours working on ball handling when I was like six or seven, like all of those things. It's just such a surreal moment when that finally pays off. And so just work hard, work hard at what you want to do. And if you love the game, like be good to the game and it will be good back to you. And so that's advice I have for young girls. There's so much other things, but in the nutshell, that's what I would say. So be good to the game and the game will be good to you. Like that needs to be on a t-shirt. Like that's beautiful. It's like really profound. So Speaking of profound, we're going to cross over a little bit into junk food talk. And you tell me you like Cracker Jack and the combination of nuts and sweetness is really compelling. <laughs> I totally get that. So in Dallas, what's it like living in Dallas? Because you're from Rhode Island. So and then you lived in, you know, Connecticut, and you did go to school at York, sorry, Duke. But 
what's that like? Has that been fun? Is the, the what's the food like in Dallas? Is that like a food scene you can get into? Um, yeah, Dallas is great. I really like it here. I love the hot weather. It's a nice change from cold stores. So <laughs> that's been really nice to me. I don't stay outside a lot because we're starting to get into the hundreds and that's very hot. But I mean, I'm, I grew up in North Carolina. So, you know, warm weather is what I'm used to. And I like that. Um, and so the weather has been great, except for we've had some storms, which I have never experienced. Like I've experienced thunderstorms, but not ones that wake me up in the middle of the night. Like that's happened a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, like I got to get used to this. But I love Dallas. I love the weather. And it's nice. It's, it's really like spread out. It's not really like a big, well, Dallas is a city, but you know, I live in Fort Worth. And so there's so many great food options, though, especially tacos. Yeah. Have you had barbecue? I have not had barbecue yet, but I've had a lot of tacos. <laughs> and I will be going to the barbecue place soon, though, because I know of a couple of spot, good spots here. So it's been a great transition and just moving here. And again, I'm happy to be here. So what do you do for self-care? Like, do you watch movies? Is it just music? And if you do, what was the last movie you saw, if if that's what you do? So self-care, I usually watch TV. I watch TV almost like every day. <laughs> um, it's just a time for me to like, well, I've recently I've been watching Impractical Jokers a lot. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. Those guys are hilarious. <laughs> and I love the whole concept of the fact that they're best friends. Like, that's just amazing to me. But I like to read as well. So I've been reading a lot more. What are you reading? Like, I just started The Alchemist. So I've heard great things about that book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the last movie I saw was Winter Soldier. So I'm kind of like, Gabby would be really happy if she's listening to this or she hears this. But <laughs> I've like started watching after I watched Black Panther. Like I have a few friends who are like obsessed with Marvel. And they're like, you got to watch all the Marvel movies. And I was like, okay, like slowly but surely. Like, I'll get on that. And so every day, some of my friends, they're like, did you watch this movie? Did you watch that movie? And I'm like, I'm going to watch it. So I, I just watched, on our way to um, Indiana, I just watched Winter Soldier. And it was amazing. I loved it. So I'm kind of marvel series but slowly but surely <laughs> oh that's great that's fantastic i haven't even seen infinity wars yet so i'm like way behind but that's amazing <laughs> that's that's so awesome that's good for you and you know if gabby can have any positive influence it's definitely getting you into marvel so that's awesome i totally want to thank you for being on burn it all down like you're like a phenomenal to watch and it's been an honor to watch you play i can't wait and hopefully i'll get to see you play in person soon and thank you for taking the time to talk to us thank you for having me thanks azaray take care Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. We like to call the burn pile, where we pile up all the things we've hated this week in sports and we set them aflame. Shireen, what are you burning? Okay, I am burning two things. And I know I'm not allowed, but that's okay. We're all right with not allowed to burn it all down. One thing I really wanted to that I just caught wind of this morning, former Blue Jays third baseman Kelly Gruber got himself canceled. He was completely ridiculous with sexist and appropriate remarks directed at Pitch Talks co-host Ashley Docking at a Baseball Hall of Fame induction weekend event. And he literally, like his comment to her, and I'll just... It's just so mind-boggling. And in the report that I will post in the show notes it, from the CBC, it said that, you know, he was inebriated, it seemed. But that's not the point. The point is that he said something, hey, we really don't need this girl here, right? Oh. Like, actually said that when he got on stage. And it just goes on to be, he was ridiculous. And he was such a twat waffle that I can't even deal with it. And so I want to burn that. Yes. Burn. I'm going to burn Tom Brady. And I'm burning Tom Brady metaphorically for the simple reason that he's come out with this incredible quote in an interview to Oprah Winfrey. So just wait for it. I respect why people are doing what they are doing. And they're doing it for different reasons. And that's okay. You know, you can do things for your reason. They can do things for their reason. And you have to respect for that. But I thought it was great. Brady told Oprah Winfrey. Now he's talking about anthem protests. He's talking about taking a knee. He's talking about the players literally 
expressing that they've had enough with police brutality and anti-blackness and violence against black people. Like, this is what he's saying. Now, my thing with this is, that's so nice of you to say, Tom. How nice. And, you know, it could be argued that he's come out and said, Cap is a great QB. I hope he gets a shot. He's also said he doesn't know why he's being blackballed. This was back in November. But my thing is, for me, it's a little too late. And the ambivalence and for what I feel is a little bit spineless and at this point, these comments don't serve anyone except for Brady. And it could be argued that he's an easy target. In my opinion, the um, Pats have only done this to themselves. They got no love for him. All due respect to Amira, who I know is the Pats fan. But it had to be said. I just laughed when I saw it. And I wonder, you know, if he still got his MAGA hat somewhere or has he burned that? Anyways, I'm torching this. Burn. Burn. Back to my old friends at Michigan State University. <laughs> so in, interim president John Engler, who we have uh, torched on this show before, it came out this week that there was an email chain that started with the Nassar survivor, Kaylee Larinx, who we've talked about on the show before. She stood up in a board meeting, a board of trustees meeting, and accused John Engler, the president, interim president, of offering her $250,000. Uh, in order to settle her lawsuit against the university. This was a couple of months ago that she did this in the board meeting. So we now have, it thinks to leaks, a string of text messages between board members about Larynx and about what she said. So follow with me here. That weekend, um, one of the people on the legal team emailed all of the board members to set the record straight on Kaylee's comments. And she said that they were totally inaccurate and that the meeting was set up by Kaylee in order to, quote, set up Michigan State University. She went on to say in this email that the trial lawyers were manipulating the survivors. This is when, on April 15th, John Engler, once again, still the interim president at Michigan State University, responded and said, thank you for that defense. Quote, it is deeply appreciated. At least we know what really happened. The survivors now are being manipulated by trial lawyers who in the end will each get millions of dollars more than any survivor, with the exception of Din Hollander, who is likely to get kickbacks from Manly for her role in the trial lawyer manipulation. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. This is the president of Michigan State University accusing Rachel Din Hollander, the very first survivor to come forward with accusations against Nasser. We've had her on the show. She is brilliant. He's accusing her of getting kickbacks for every single survivor that comes forward with stories. And he's accusing all of them for just being in this for money. And this email came out and he is still the president. Nobody is kicking him out. Two board members have asked for his resignation, but only two. And everyone else seems to be sticking behind him. And he has released a statement saying that he is going to stay on as interim president. This is despicable. This is, I don't even have words for this. So I'm just going to throw it onto the burn pile. Burn, burn, burn. burn. God. Okay, so mine is low-hanging fruit this week, but Greg Hardy in the UFC, it needs to be burned. Greg Hardy with any kind of platform <laughs> really deserves to be burned. And also Dana White, who runs the UFC, should just be tossed right on there as well. So a quick reminder, sorry, to <laughs> I feel like sorry I'm even talking about this. Hardy used to play in the NFL for the Panthers and then the Cowboys. He's an asshole. He's temperamental. He's rude to coaches and other players on his own team. And he's also a reported violent domestic abuser who was once found guilty of domestic abuse. But that conviction was appealed and then dropped because, as so many do, the victim in that case stopped cooperating with law enforcement. Hardy did his first MMA fight last week and white was really excited about it he destroyed the other guy very quickly and so the ufc has awarded hardy a developmental contract dana white has said in the past that the ufc wouldn't support men who put their hands on women but because of course there's a but white is also great at making up excuses to reason away supporting men who put their hands on women hardy just being the latest in a line of them and there's a really great Deadspin article about this that I'm going to link to, and I just want to quote it here. 
Quote, the reason White is willing to give Hardy a chance is the same reason Hardy's first pro fight was against another former NFL player. It makes for a good hook. Regardless of the division of the UFC's audience between people who believe Hardy deserves another chance and people who want to see Hardy get what's coming to him, they're all watching. It's a gross, exploitative tactic, but it's not below White. So just burn. Just burn all of this. Burn. Burn. After all that burning, it's time to celebrate some remarkable women in sports this week with our Badass Woman of the Week segment. First, for our honorable mentions, we want to do just a blanket shout out to all the women doing commentary and analysis during the Men's World Cup this year. We love hearing your voices and your brilliance during the world's largest sporting event. Katayun Kosrayar, head coach of Iran's U19 women's team, wins Women's Soccer United Coach Award. Amelia Kerr from the White Ferns, the New Zealand women's cricket team, scored a 232, a world record in a women's one-day international. Jennifer King, who is working for the Panthers, is the first female coaching intern ever hired in Carolina. Her goal is to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. She told the Charlotte Observer, quote, this is for the little girls. I want them to know that if this is what they want to do, they can do it. Lori Locust, Elena Griglovich, and Erica Vincent Ondeco have been hired by the Baltimore Ravens for the summer. Locust will be working with the defensive coaches in training camp through the first three preseason games. Griglovich is uh, she's going to work with the analytics team throughout training camp, and Vincent Ondeco will assist Ravens specialist coach Randy Brown on the first day of mandatory minicamp. That's all amazing, all of that. So a drum roll, please. <laughs> Our Badass Woman of the Week is Karina LeBlanc, former Canadian international goalkeeper who was named the head of women's football for CONCACAF, a brand new position, so that she will be the first to hold. In response to this announcement, LeBlanc tweeted, quote, I am very much looking forward to this next chapter with CONCACAF, being the young girl from Dominica that never had the opportunity to play football slash soccer until I moved to Canada. Woo! We are so excited to see what <laughs> Karina will do. Okay, what is good with you guys? I have missed you all. So Lindsay, tell me what's been good in your world. I honestly have nothing really exciting going on in my personal life or really any fun summer plans. So I'm going to stick with the internet. And what has been good for me this week has been the new Drake music video that is a Degrassi reunion. I love it. <laughs> nice. So much. I've watched it so many times. I loved Degrassi. I, I do that put in the past tense because I haven't watched it in a few years. But it was so much fun to see all of those people back together and tearing up the high school. I adored it. Although I did miss Sean because he was my favorite because I love the bad boys. And apparently Sean wasn't even invited. So I'm gonna have to talk with Drake about that. I don't even know Sean's real name. But <laughs> but I, I clearly feel very passionately about this. But I just loved this so much. And it was so Canadian and lovely. So that was great. Awesome. Shireen, how about you? Well, we celebrated the end of Ramadan, so Eid was incredible. And it was fun to spend time with my family and friends. And that was awesome. And as I mentioned, celebrating on the day, uh, which spilled over to Saturday as well. It was my dad's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to my dad. He was, you know, spent the day listening to me, my daughter, my mom, watch matches and scream and get excited. So that was, you know, something he's used to. I also wanted to say World Cup, which ties into that because I'm enthralled. I'm excited. I've also been enjoying Twitter tremendously, looking at the criticisms of people really salty and sort of saying, oh, well, this team doesn't deserve to be there. That team doesn't deserve to be there. America should have been there. Well, guess what? America's not there. Neither is Canada. So I'm there. But it's just I, I'm having a lot of fun with the clapbacks on this. It's It's been really enjoyable for me. So I'm enjoying Twitter, football Twitter tremendously. That's awesome. So what's good in my world is that I'm just really happy to be here recording with you all. My family went to Ireland on vacation and it was lovely, truly, but I did miss burning all down while I was gone. Also, summer is what's good in my world. Yes, it is literally a million degrees outside, but it's I just love the slower, relaxed schedule for the summertime and I'm appreciating that so much right now. 
That's it for this week's episode. Thank you all for joining us. You can find Burn It All Down on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to subscribe to Burn It All Down, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. For information about the show and links and transcripts for each episode, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You can also email us from the site to give us feedback. We love hearing from you. If you enjoyed this week's show, do me a favor and share it with two people in your life whom you think would be interested in Burn It All Down. Just two. You can do it. Also, please rate the show at whichever place you listen to it. The ratings really do help us reach new listeners who need this feminist sports podcast but don't yet know it exists. And one more thank you to our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. You can sign up to be a monthly sustaining donor to Burn It All Down at patreon.com slash burnitalldown. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash burnitalldown. That's it. For Shreen Ahmed and Lindsay Gibbs, I'm Jessica Luther. Until next week. And I saw-